0: Good morning. Welcome to this edition of Advice Worth Keeping, KPMG's podcast series where we interview firm executives and thought leaders, as well as third-party industry luminaries and experts on important global business trends, topics, and leading practices. My name is Stan Lepique, and I lead global research for KPMG's Management Consulting Services Group. And I'm pleased to have back with us again today Mr. Robert Bolton. Robert is a partner in the UK KPMG firm. He's a member of the People in Change practice and also part of the senior leadership of the Human Resources Global Center of Excellence. So, Robert, thanks for joining us here again today on the Advice Worth Keeping podcast series.
1: Thank you, Stan. I'm looking forward to our conversation.
0: So what we're doing today as part of an ongoing series of interviews is looking at what do we see as some of the biggest issues organizations are facing in 2018 and beyond. And I think, Robert, given your background and your experience with clients and the research you've been involved with around the impact of automation on the organization, the impact of automation on the human resources function, and really where organizations are going to be going in the future relative to How do they staff up from the standpoint of staffing up with people versus bots versus something in between? I think we could have a very good conversation. Maybe to start out with, we hear a lot today about the demise of white-collar jobs, the rise of automation, but we've also done some research at KPMG, which shows that perhaps some of the estimations are a little bit premature. But if you look at the clients you're dealing with and the things you've been involved with, in terms of what's going on in the next couple of years, where are we at with the actual automation of jobs? And is this something that's inevitable and we should just deal with it? Is it something that's still a little bit futuristic? What's a reality check in terms of where we're at with process automation?
1: Mm, a great question as always, Stan. And I think the first thing I'd say is that 2017 has been the year of awakening and experimentation. There's been a massive a mass awakening to the potential of jobs being automated. And there's been some of the banner headlines in newspapers talking about some very high percentages of people or parts of the economy that might be automated or indeed job roles that might be written out of the equation. And some of those banner headlines quite lurid and quite frankly, I think, quite crude as well. Because what we're seeing on the ground in organizations, first of all, is is experimentation. Now, that experimentation is leading to lessons that are being learned about the right way to go about this and, quite frankly, the wrong way to go about this stuff. But I think 2018 is more likely to be a year where we move beyond experimentation and start to be more purposeful about where these technologies can apply. And I think also it's going to be the year when organisations start to take seriously this term that we've used in Rise of the Humans too, the term being workforce shaping. This need to on a more systematic basis look at the roles and tasks that are performed in the enterprise. And I use the word task very specifically, and I'll explain why that's important. Looking at tasks and understanding, okay, well, how are we going to automate some of these tasks and indeed redesign processes to create different kinds of either customer experience or employee experience. And I think we're gonna see this transition from kind of piloting, experimentation that we've seen this year to a more purposeful strategic approach. Now, let me just say, why have I used the word task? A lot of these newspaper headlines are based around groundbreaking work that Frey and Osborne did back in 2013, looking at developing an algorithm, the algorithm looking at things like the degree of manual dexterity, the degree of creativity, and the degree of interpersonal skill. This algorithm took jobs and said the degree to which the job is going to be affected by automation. And famously, accountant in the Frey Star study came out at 95%. Uh, More recently, I contrast that because you can apply the Frey and Osborne algorithm simply by going to Google, typing in the search term, will a robot do my job and BBC, as in the British Broadcasting Corporation. And the BBC, on their website, have created a little app that uses the Frey and Osborne data and you can type an occupation in and it comes back to you with a percentage. Now, the reason I use the word task is that if you type, will a robot do my job, And ABC, Australian Broadcasting Corporation, they too have an app. But it's based on a different algorithm, an algorithm that seeks to look at the impact of automation at the task level. And I suspect that that actually is a more nuanced and sophisticated way to look at things. And if you type accountant into that app, it comes back with something like 29%. And not only that, it says, and here's the 29% of the job of accountants at the task level where automation will apply. And, of course, that leaves 71% of the job where, uh, certainly for the time being, you're going to need a human. And, of course, all the more considered analysis now in this space is how are these technologies going to both automate parts of a job but also what does it mean then for the human? And this idea of humans and bots working together to deliver an outcome is becoming more and more important as opposed to the crude, here's whole jobs that are gonna be written out of the equation, which is in some cases, eventually whole jobs will be written out of the equation. But in a lot of office environments, in a lot of knowledge worker environments, white collar environments, it's less about whole jobs and more about
0: tasks. So, Robert, then, in terms of two follow-up questions, on the first point, when you look at activities versus entire jobs, what should be the role of the human resource organization versus different functional organizations such as finance or IT in going through that? Because one thing I've certainly seen in our research is that Organizations are looking at automation opportunities, but they're not sure where to apply it. So who should be, from your perspective, driving that analysis to say that this activity, X percent of it could be automated, X percent shouldn't? And is that really something that the human resources group should be supporting, or is it something that should be at the functional level, or should it be someplace else?
1: I think the first thing to say to that question is, just because you can doesn't mean you have to, and that applies across the board for this kind of technology. Just because you can automate something doesn't mean you have to, and it is incumbent on any one function that might be considering intelligent automation to actually think about wider implications. What does it mean about potential loss of skills? What does it mean about brand and reputation? What does it mean about quality and customer or employee experience, I think the worst thing to do is simply rush headlong and deploy this technology from a cost perspective. So that's the first thing to say. But in answer to your question, I would say that the HR functions role is to work as part of a, can contribute to a governance process. And some of this governance might actually exist in a intelligent automation center of excellence where... Any one function might want to say, okay, we have a feeling that there's uh, intelligent automation we want to apply to a particular process. That center of excellence can not only bring things like the opportunity assessment, precisely in what parts of the process might intelligent automation apply, but can also bring things like design thinking skills. If we're going to apply something to this process, how might we also want to seek to improve the end user's experience and bring design thinking and an overall capability to reinvent the end-to-end process because actually some of our learning from early movers in this space again this is covered in Rise of the Humans too is that organizations that automate steps in an existing process without redesigning reinventing the end-to-end process sometimes don't improve matters at all and in some cases make matters worse and it's only when you stand back from the existing process and apply an opportunity assessment through the lens of, well, how might we reinvent this process and take the opportunity to change, improve, increase the end user's experience that you then start to see significant benefits in how that process operates and the role that intelligent automation takes in that process. And the HR function's role has to be to contribute to that debate about what are we going to do with the people component at a process level or indeed at a function department level? Because, of course, there's all sorts of fallout implications, typically around job redesign and retraining of people, reskilling of people. And at a macro level or an aggregate enterprise level, it's the responsibility of the HR function to undertake what we call workforce shaping to take the aggregate effect across all of the processes and understand, okay, where are we going to want to redeploy people for maximum effect? Where are we going to have to ramp up our learning and reskilling efforts? What used to be termed workforce planning, I think is now going to need to be a much more agile, dynamic, continuous process that we call workforce shaping. And the HR function absolutely needs to get into that now.
0: So, Robert, I think great points, particularly relative to taking a holistic approach to this and not just doing some automation because you can. But maybe to wrap up a little bit more detail on workforce shaping, so in terms of taking individuals and upskilling them or reskilling them to do more value-added activities as some of the more transactional work that they perhaps in the past have done is automated. What's your estimation on how viable that is? And I know that's an issue from an organizational level. It's an issue from a country level in terms of the quality of the educational systems that are turning out people into the market. Where are you at from an optimist to a pessimist to someone in between in terms of the viability of retraining workforce employees today that have some of their activities eliminated into viable employees of tomorrow or or not?
1: Hmm. I'm not yet an optimist, but I hope to be an optimist. I do see organizations in insurance and in banking and in telecommunications where a lot of these technologies have begun to be deployed at a more scaled level. And I do see fundamental policy responses at the organizational level around gearing up the training and development provision, giving employees a sense of certainty that they will be reskilled to do other jobs, that kind of policy response. So I do see that. I have to say I don't think governments have at all woken up to the scale of the challenge. We talk about lifelong learning, but I think this completely throws up fundamental questions around how we're going to want to provide technical skills training, higher education, university, first degree education, and to provide this on an ongoing basis. I know that some of our KPMG research has unearthed the fact that millennials, by the time they're 30, many of them have three to four different careers and all with different skill requirements. We're on target to see millennials, by the time they might reach a notional retirement age, with emphasis on notional, it could be 10, 20 different careers. Add on to that the fact that particularly younger people have every expectation that they're going to live to 100. And of course, pension provision not being as generous as it once was. So all of this is a perfect storm. We're seeing enlightened organizations seeking to make a response at the employee level to manage the automation anxiety that occurs. But some organizations aren't. Some organizations are saying, still a wild west of experimentation. And we haven't got to grips with what we are going to need to say to the workforce at large. So they need to wake up to that and start talking to the workforce at large. And at the government level, across the board, the response from government is woefully inadequate. And it's a cause for serious concern, I think.
0: Okay. Well, Robert, as usual, thank you for some very keen insights. I think you certainly hit on some positive points in that if millennials can live to 100, that's great, and have 30 careers, that's wonderful. But I think I also significantly appreciate your concerns around their viability of employment as we go forward. Robert, thank you very much for your time today. For our listeners, certainly link out to the additional research Robert has referenced. We have a lot more materials on this Robert, again, thank you for your time today. Thank you. And you can find the links to the items you referenced in the show today below the podcast. If you're online, of course, the URL for that is kpmg.com slash US slash podcast. That's a wrap. Thanks for your participation.